Hello, I'm Montana. And I'm Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tales. And today is a bonus episode, so you're welcome, by the way. Uh, We are going to be delivering a couple of ghost stories, so it will be a slightly shorter episode, I know, on my part, because limited information, most ghost stories are mostly lore. Uh, But first, before we get into it, Montana, what are we drinking tonight? I'm so excited about this cocktail. Uh, It's called the Ghostbuster cocktail. Um, It only has three ingredients. It's, but it's powerful ingredients. Uh, It's two ounces. Yeah, be careful. Two ounces of vodka, one ounce of Bailey's Irish cream, and one ounce of Kahlua. You're going to mix all three of those. In a shaker with ice, you're going to shake it up real well. You're going to strain it into a martini glass, and you're going to have yourself a nice little beige brown. Basically looks like coffee. Like coffee. Like an iced coffee Martini, yeah. Ice taken out. I, Samantha was late, so I had made one and uh, (laughs) already drank one, and I have not eaten today. So this is going to be a fun episode. (laughs) (laughs) So cheers, Samantha. Cheers. And I'm running late, so um, it, it'll be interesting anyway. Uh, all right, so I think I'm going first. So are you ready to hear my tale? I'm always ready to hear about a ghost story. Awesome. All right, so mine is a story that is probably in every single state, multiple cities, but it's about the vanishing hitchhiker uh, of North Alabama. Uh, this one actually had a name haven't heard of that you haven't heard of a vanishing hitchhiker story okay yeah it's it's not extremely uncommon when i researched it there were several different stories all of them claim to be the original of course uh but there's some in other countries there's multiple ones in the united states so it's not uncommon i remember watching when i was a, a kid one of those scary uh, series that has like different ghost stories or scary stories each episode. And that was, this was one of them. Um, And it's always like, it's like a tale of two people and one's trying to go to the other and they die by getting hit by a car because they were hitchhiking on the side of the road. And it's, it's always some kind of variation of that. So We'll go over this variation. This one actually had a name tied to it, which surprised me. Um, But then I couldn't find any record. It had a name and a year, but I can't, I could not find any record. I looked it up in every possible way I could think of, even trying to see if I could find parents of this person to see if I could find like an obituary, nothing. So this is Lonnie Stevens and his story is, and this is, the only part of the story so the rest of it's pretty much going to be like um the different versions of how you see him and i do have one account all of this by the way is going to be from the same book that i've used multiple times which is alabama lore um all of the information is coming from this book because honestly i don't know how he found this information i looked everywhere and it was almost like they all took it from his book (laughs) it might have been the other way around but there was more information in his book than there was on the website. So, see, mine was kind of the opposite. The story I'm going to tell, like, I got the idea from the book and it gave decent information. But when I went to research, I found more information online. Yeah. So, so the story is a paragraph long of where this person came from, the idea, the lore. And then that is the same paragraph repeated on every single website that I could find. Oh, good. So it's consistent, at least. Um, (laughs) So Lonnie Stevens, the idea, the the tale or the lore is that Lonnie Stevens was falsely accused of murdering his girlfriend. Doesn't say why, just said he murdered his girlfriend on September 1934 and was falsely accused of it. And he actually, um, from for what I could tell of the accounts, he was actually convicted because he was apparently in a chain gang 
And he that's how he got away. He was on a chain gang, managed to escape, and that's why he's on the side of the road hitchhiking. Unfortunately, while he was hitchhiking, somebody hit him on the road on highway most of them said highway 11 in decatur it's a highway in between decatur and huntsville uh and then the other part of it is that later after he had died the true killer came forward and confessed to the murder but it was too late so a couple of questions or uh, just maybe like uh, some people may not know what a chain gang is uh, so basically, it's a it's a a group of convicts, people that have been convicted. Typically, I wouldn't think this would just be if you're in jail waiting for a trial. That doesn't make much sense. But you're all chained together, which is why it's called a chain gang. And you're usually working somewhere in a road in a yeah. public area, but typically it's it's on the side of the road. Um, so, like an example some people may know of is oh brother where art thou they're all chained together and then they end up breaking the chain and taking off that's a common tale basically of how they escape or a more recent one would be uh, the last I'm sorry to ruin it for anyone who hasn't watched the last season of stranger things oh <laughs> yeah way to go that too <laughs> you're welcome so, I mean, that's that's the general idea so he was falsely um convicted it says accused but he was if he's on a chain gang he was convicted of killing his girlfriend he did obviously he didn't do it somebody came forward later too late he died and so now he just wanders the highway trying to hitchhike so that he can get to his girlfriend's house or girlfriend's house i guess he was trying to apologize to the parents or tell them that he didn't do it um there's varying accounts of that type of thing but there is um this is this is the part, like I said, it's a, it's a common story because it's the whole long lost thing. Um, there's been a couple variations of like uh, going to a dance and the girl leaves because he hurts her in some way in a car and he's trying to catch her and he's on the side of the road trying to hitchhike and she's driving and she hits him. Like there's there's stuff like that that you'll end up seeing. And then the idea that the hitchhiker sits in your back seat and he's like, Hey, I want to go to this place. And you go there and he's gone. There was actually a version of that. Uh, uh, Morbid did a version of that, but it was yeah, like what, a wet the... spot left in your seat or a raincoat or an umbrella. It was something about her being like soaking wet. The lady at the lake. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So like somewhat that. similar. So like I said, I looked up, murders in the general area in 1934 i looked up his name i looked up obituaries birth records census there's nothing with anybody that name of course lonnie is short for um another name but i couldn't remember what it was honestly but it is obviously a shortened name but i couldn't find anything um so i will go through the account that's given in the book um, and I don't know where he found this because I could not find any accounts, but it says it was a stormy summer night and I was easing my truck through the driving rain on the outskirts of Decatur. The water falling from the heavens was so heavy and the fog so thick that I was doing good to make 10 miles per hour while looking for a place to pull off the road and wait and wait until the small mon monsoon was over. It was then that I spotted the young man walking along the edge of the roadway. I hesitated. After all, everyone knows the dangers of stopping for strangers on the side of the road, but this night was truly not meant for man or beast to be outdoors. I edged my four-wheel drive to the shoulder of the road behind the young man. As I watched him, he suddenly disappeared, vanished right before my eyes. It isn't every day a fully formed young man walking along the road vanishes, and watching it happen was unnerving. To ensure the lad had not fallen or crouched beside the truck, I got out to check nothing the rain was still coming down in sheets so i climbed back in the truck to wait for the lull and tried to convince myself that there'd never been a hitchhiker that the rain had created an illusion in that endeavor i was unsuccessful i decided i'd research the area when i had a chance and try to find out who the man could have been it seemed i was not the first person to encounter with a vanishing figure on that particular stretch of the road I discovered several reports, as well as a short history of the mysterious ghostly walker. His name is recorded as Lonnie Stevens, and he has been appearing to drivers in Limestone County Road 
117 since the early 1940s. So that's the first-hand account. Talk about creepy. Wait, on Limestone Road? Limestone, Limestone County Road, 117. So it's Limestone County. Huh. Okay. So there are several versions of what happens. And again, I'm just going to read it from the book because there's not... I mean, I could pretend that I'm going to write this in a different way. But honestly, I don't know that there's a really a different a way I could write this where I wouldn't just be taking it from the book. So I'm going to just re- go ahead and read the, the different versions. Um, so the first version, a driver picks up a hitchhiker that wants to be taken to a particular address. And then when you get to the address, the hitchhiker has just vanished. Um, and I am putting it in my words. I'm not reading it directly from the book. Uh, and then when this person is walking around town asking about that particular address, the person starts telling the story of the sad, the sad story of Lonnie Stevens and what happened to him and his somehow he's tied to the address, whether that was his girlfriend's parents address or whether that was his parents address. Somehow it ties back to him. So wait, the hitchhiker is telling the picker upper about Lonnie Stevens. No. So the hitchhiker gets in the car and says, drive to this address. And then once they get to that address, he's gone. And then when the person who picked the hitchhiker up asks about that address around town, the townspeople are telling them the story. And it says that this actually, um, with this type of theme for the, this version, it's in at least 16 States just in the United States. Oh, so in the second version, the driver picks up the hitchhiker who then proceeds to give this impending disaster prophecy, essentially. When he turns to look in the back seat after he says that, he uh, finds him gone. Again, asks around town, what's going on with this whole story? This is what happened to me. And then, of course, the townspeople tell him, oh, well, that's the vanishing hitchhiker. And then tells the person that story as well. This type is seen around the world. So that's not just to the United States. In the third version... A young man meets a young lady in a public place, and he asks her to join him for a ride in his car. In their discussion, she tells him she lives on the opposite side of town and gives the street address. Chilly, the young lady borrows the man's jacket and forgets to give it back to him at the end of the night when he returns her to the place that they met. The next day, when the man goes to the woman's address to retrieve the item, he finds the address is a cemetery. I've heard that one before, this one. And then he walks the grounds and finds his jacket on a grave that's marked with the girl's name. And that's across um, many countries. Yeah, I've heard similar uh, stories like that. So there's Some of these will seem familiar and some of them are kind of combinations of the two uh, or of other ones, I think. In the fourth version, a driver picks up a hitchhiker and uh, takes him to the address that he's given. He later discovers that the hitchhiker has left something in the car, so he goes back to the address where he dropped him off. But then the person who answers says that the hitchhiker lived there before, but not anymore because he's dead. And then the item is identified as being the hitchhikers before he passed. Okay. (laughs) That one, I don't know. That one would probably freak me out more than him disappearing once I got to the address. Yeah. Honestly, because now I've got something of his. In version, what is this, five? Yeah. Uh, The driver sees the hitchhiker, stops to pick him up, but the hitchhiker vanishes before getting in the car, like the first-hand account. When the driver tells people around town about it and asks about it, he learns that the person that he's describing was killed in that exact same spot years before, which is... The same one as this one. In version six, a driver picks up a hitchhiker, offering to take him to his requested destination. During the ride, the driver recounts the story of a deadly wreck caused by a reckless driver on that stretch of the road and admonishes the hitchhiker, telling him, you shouldn't be doing this. This could easily happen to you. Once they reach the destination, the hitchhiker exits. thanks, Dad. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The hitchhiker exits and goes into a diner where he mentions the man's tail. That's when he learns that the driver was the man killed in the crash and the hitchhiker has been traveling with the ghost. So it's a reverse. Okay. 
dude, some dead person's been driving a car and got me here. Uh, that's the no, no, how? Mm-mm, nope. I'm gonna call. Thanks. I'm gonna say that. I'm gonna call bullshit. Yeah, that was not real. Ghosts can't. Ghosts can't drive cars. Poltergeist might can, but I think yeah. But I don't know about maneuvering a, a motor vehicle, like moving stuff around. Sure, in a house, but don't ghosts typically have a tendency, like according to basically lore, they're tied to specific places. So I don't know that that would work because you would have to be able to not only drive a car but move it to all these different areas yeah and move it outside of its like boundary well and ghosts can't like from what i understand ghosts ghosts are just like apparitions like there's different forms of ghosts there's ghosts that are on like repeat of Mm -hmm. whatever they're doing and then there's like ghosts that can like interact with you and then there's poltergeists and poltergeists can actually physically touch things and move move things So that would be a poltergeist. Sorry to get technical with you. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but that would be a poltergeist because it's driving a car. But would it be an actual car? Would it be a ghost car? And would the ghost car be a part of the poltergeist? And but then what's he doing? Just hauling this guy around? Inside his own like poltergeist body? <laughs> yeah. In the car? Because the know, car that, would be a part oh, of the bo- poltergeist. That's almost grosser. I feel like I feel like the car would be a part of the poltergeist. I mean, maybe a poltergeist can drive a car. If if anyone out there knows if a poltergeist can drive like steal a car and drive it, but I feel like it's a it's a poltergeist car. It's not a it's like a ghost car. So this person was inside a ghost, inside a poltergeist. Um, So gives me icky feelings more so uh, than the actual just story does. Good for him. Uh, all right. And then in the last version, it kind of makes sense. And it was kind of where I thought that the version before that was leading to. But then I was surprised. Um, the driver picks up a hitchhiker that seems that he's very troubled because he's recalling a death that had occurred um, on that same day years earlier on that same road. And then he drops the hitchhiker off. And then learns he had just given a ride to the ghost of the person who was killed. And he returns to that site every year on that date. That just seems very morbid. <laughs> it's a ghost story. It's all going to be morbid. <laughs> it just seems very sad. Like, move on. <laughs> but, and, you know, that's that's all the versions um, that they have of that story. But... Uh, it kind of goes along with like fairy tales, right? So it's, it's telling you not to do things, be cautious of who you're picking up on the side of the road, whether you're the person picking them up or you're the person on the side of the road trying to hitchhike, right? You could die because this person did and they're stuck as a ghost for all of eternity, never leaving that spot. Or if you're the one picking them up, you might pick up a ghost or, Oh, I don't know. A serial killer. Who knows? Um, so it's just kind of, it It seems like one of those tales of be careful who you pick up or be careful who you get in the car with. Um, but yeah, that's that's the vanishing hitchhiker. I kind of want to drive that part of the, the road uh, at night and see what happens. I don't think I'm going to see anything. I'm definitely not going to stop and pick up a hitchhiker, but if I see somebody on the side of the road, that'll be interesting. I mean, I'm there as long as I can sit in the passenger seat and drink um, Ghostbusters. <laughs> uh, you know what if you're here and we're driving uh you're not number one you're not going to be drinking anything because that's a good way to get in trouble but if you were going to drink anything it should be a local brewery's beer because uh, you can only get it here a ghost train yeah a ghost I know. train we'll uh, save that for later though look we don't have to be driving you can pull off on the side of the road oh this is true and then I can get back in. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're just going to have to sit there and like shotgun the whole thing. <laughs> uh, Alabama is a different world. <laughs> it, it really is. Uh, well, good job. Great story. I still think that that was a poltergeist, not a ghost. That's such a weird. When you said it had the car would have to be a part of it, I kind of thought about it, but not in that way. So, ew. So like that person was inside. I was like, well, ghost. that's just part of the go- like that's just part of like the ghostly thing. I didn't think of it being like part of the freaking 
poltergeist itself. Yeah, that makes it even grosser. Yeah, it's inside of you. Yeah. yeah. Gross. All right, um, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about that tonight when I... <laughs> When I'm researching my next story, I I'm going to just stop and I'm going to be like, ugh, that's so gross. Ugh. Ghosts scare me as it is. Like, ghosts are one of the few things that I feel like they definitely could be a thing. So, ghost stories have a tendency to creep me out more than other things. And the other thing is, I have a cat named Miss Juju, and she stares at the exact same spot and on the exact same wall all the time. And I've she'll already- just sit there and stare. And you look and you look back at her and she's just staring. And when you call her name, she looks at you like, what? You don't see Samantha, it. I've already told you, you have a ghost in your house. <laughs> like I've always felt it must that be for a nice 10 one. years. It must be a nice one. There are places where I'm like, ooh, 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 something's weird in here. I don't want to be in this room right now. And then it's, I an, old, end, it's an old house. And, then and I end up in the bed with you and Paul. <laughs> hey, I'm scared. <laughs> Can I sleep in here with you? And then I tell you to go to lay down in the dog's bed. They'll, they'll keep you safe. <laughs> Why do you think I have the dogs in the house with us? Yeah, I know. But Samantha definitely has ghosts in her house. It's an old house. I feel things 1950s. in there. 1950s. Yeah. And from what I heard, might be another story, um, ghost story, but there was an older man and an older uh, woman that lived here pretty much their whole adult life. I think, I don't know if it was the entire time they were married, but the majority of their life at the very bare minimum. And apparently he died in the room that is behind the wall that Juju has a tendency to stare at, which is what creeps me out the most because I, I've heard that story. And it was before I'd said anything about that room being creepy. Somebody told me that. And I was like, uh, uh-uh, Nope. Mm-mm. Wait, is wait, is it, I'm going to bleep the name, but is it, Ramsey. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. That's where we used to sleep and then your cat try and suffocate me in my sleep. <laughs> I didn't tell you because I didn't want to freak you out. <laughs> I always get the creeps in there. Oh my god. Oh my god. No, I'm more sensitive to that stuff than you are. Anyway, so <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> You're safe. It's a it's a nice ghost. He's never done anything mean. I think it's a she. Mm. Okay. I think I'll go with that. I think it's the she. I think Maybe. it's a woman. Well, she, so the whole thing with her was sad because she actually ended up getting, um, I don't know if it was dementia or Alzheimer's. I, I, I want to say it was probably Alzheimer's because she got really aggressive um, at the end. And they ended up having to call uh, an ambulance to come pick her up because she swore up and down that her neighbor had tried to bludgeon her to death in the bathroom and there was blood everywhere and the paramedics were like ma'am there's you're fine nothing's wrong with you and there's no blood and she just kept screaming it over and over and over okay and they but finally can, had to take her away in the ambulance and put her in a home can we talk about the fact that uh dementia patients and alzheimer's patients rem- they don't remember like the current stuff they remember like past stuff and that she might be recounting something that actually happened uh i mean it might have but i've never had any kind of instance where i've been scared Uh. to be in my bathroom so and that was our primary bathroom we actually ended up adding a bathroom to our house so that was the bathroom that was the primary bathroom for the house for a long time but oh yeah it's fine took a many showers in there it's fine it's, there's nothing wrong. Whatever. There's, there's. We didn't find any blood, and also we've pulled this house down to the studs pretty much, and haven't found anything um, no suspicious. Bodies? So no bodies. We did find um, behind the medicine cabinet. Uh, those of you that have ever had an old house that you renovated and took the medic- medicine cabinet out, it had a little slot in the back, and that is where you would put your razors from your razor blade. You would just put it through the slot because apparently nobody in the fifties or sixties ever thought far enough ahead to think what's going to happen when this thing fills up with razor blades or if I ever have to renovate or change anything and take this thing out. So there's just a stack of razor blades where they had been sticking them through the slot. (laughs) Uh, Talk about being freaked out um, when we pulled that medicine cabinet away from the wall. But outside of that, that's really the only weird thing that happened. Just FYI, I'm a weird like hippie I'm not a hippie. I'm just like recycle your shed. Um, leave for sure. 
razors will take your old razors and they'll recycle them so there you go that's an advertise free advertisement for leaf razors yeah we're not we're not sponsored by anybody so yet <laughs> yeah because we'll we can't sit down and go through that this is true we've tried several times and it has not happened uh we both anyways well you know uh, these tangents happen even when we're not recording so we forget what we were originally sitting down to talk about and then we have to Oh yeah, it's ghosts, okay. and okay, it's it's my turn. And <laughs> it's your by, turn. by the way, great job, great story. <laughs> I'm gonna now tell you about Daniel Keith's shadow. Okay. My Daniel reason, Keith. Daniel Keith. So this yeah. guy has two first names. Okay. Well, Keith is his last name. Yeah, but Daniel's his first name, so he has two first names. Yeah, it was very confusing. Please don't get me started. <laughs> I have not eaten, and I'm almost done with the second uh, oh, semester. So okay, let's let's hurry up. And You're all in for episode. a wild ride on this one. <laughs> all right. So my resources are a wonderful book that I got when I was in Asheville called Mysterious Tales of Western North Carolina by Sherman Carmichael. And every story in this book is just fantastic. I really like this one. I like this one better than the other one I got while I was there. It's like a similar thing where it kind of tells. Mm -hmm. The only, only difference is like this one is Western North Carolina, but the other one is like all around North Carolina. Okay. But it breaks it up by the different, like, areas. Anyway, great book. Sherman Carmichael, great author. If you get a chance, get his book. Or their book. I also used an article from RememberCliffside.com on the legend of Daniel Keith and uh, a FairweatherLewis.wordpress.com article on Big Dan's Shadow. Big so thing. all of that will be in the show notes. You can go and look at those if you so choose to. Anyway, in late February of 1880 in Rutherfordton, North Carolina, the body of an eight-year-old girl was found, or she might have been 12, or she might have been 10. <laughs> Okay. I, I found different accounts Some, somewhere, somewhere of in her there. age. Like, seriously, everything that I looked at, she had a different age. She was somewhere between the age of 8 and 12. Okay. Well, in all fairness, if they were doing it by sight and not by, like, actual information, 8 to 12-year-olds can kind of look well they they have information about her. So okay. it, it just, yeah. I, They're just poor reporting then. Poor reporting, yeah. And so I said, not that that matters, she was a child and she was dead. Her name was Elise Ellis. Her body was found near her home, and it seemed she had been beaten to death with a rock and raped. Jeez. Yeah. And actually, I just want to go ahead and clarify this. Like, in the book, it doesn't say that she was raped. And in a lot of articles, it doesn't say that she was raped, but in one that one article that I found that had more information than the others, it did say she was brutal, brutally like raped. So I don't know. I don't know if they just didn't report on it, and like this other person got the information. I I don't know. I feel so. like sometimes they leave that out in respect to the victims' families, or also in respect to the age of the victim. Yeah, and, and she was a. She was a child. child. Uh, so anyway, um, I just wanted to like clarify. I only got that from one source. I didn't get it from any of the other sources. So I did find there's another source that I, I skimmed over, but like their whole, listen, if you have a website where you blog about true crime stories or hauntings or anything like that, the last thing you need to do is put it in weird font cursive so it's hard to or read. weird background colors i hate so it I, when they do that i did find another website where i read over it i didn't pull anything from that that i didn't already have so i didn't list it mostly because i was so annoyed 
<laughs> so it, honestly, if you are doing any type of anything and it has anything to do with somebody reading the writing that you are typing, don't do it in any kind of cursive font. It's so hard to read when it's in like a type or on a website or something like that. Just And it, it wasn't just cursive like font. It was like black background, red font. Oh, gosh. It was just it was god awful. Anyway. Um, moving on back to the story. A witness quickly came forward and said they remembered seeing big Dan Keith near the child's home that day and that he had been a bit drunk. Sheriff N. E. Walker immediately went to Dan's home to question him where he discovered a bloodstained shirt hanging over a rail on Dan's back porch. Once this was discovered, the sheriff never even attempted looking into anyone else and arrested Dan on the spot. Dan told the sheriff that he had been, he had, and I quote, been skinning rabbits. Okay. But the sheriff wasn't having it, and he put him in jail anyway. (laughs) Alrighty then. On November 9th, of the same year, Dan's trial began. During his chi- his trial, a 16-year-old boy testified that he had heard the little girl scream that day and shortly after saw Big Dan staggering away with blood on his hands and clothes. However, he described the wrong shirt that Dan had been wearing that day. <sighs> so... <laughs> Great eyewitness testimony. Definitely reliable. This was the one that the sheriff found with blood on it. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, Another inconsistency. Why was that even reported? Like, obviously, that's not an accurate account. But okay. But he he actually, it wasn't just reported. He would, like, testified in his trial. So, um, and a lot of this case actually hinders on this 16-year-old boy wow okay oh yeah another inconsistency is that someone said dan was drunk that day but when the sheriff went to speak with him dan was completely sober yeah he was skinning rabbits you don't want to do that when you're drunk no you don't (laughs) i feel like it would be very dangerous None of this matters, however, because he was quickly sentenced to hang for the murder of Alice Ellis. That escalated quickly. Uh, yeah, you're telling me. Now, let me tell you a little bit about uh, Daniel Keith. He was born in Pulaski County, Kentucky in 1848 and was the youngest of eight children born to Claiborne Keith and Pamela Keith. At the age of 14, Daniel left home and joined the Confederate Army. Gross. He said about his career in the Confederate, and I quote, It was one of the those critical points in a man's life at which there is but an inch between the path to heaven and the road to hell. Unquote. Which nothing more has ever been truly said about. <laughs> Fair. Better it anyway. Um, it was said he was a giant of a man at six foot four inches tall, he weighed around 230 pounds and was solid muscle. Which, I mean, both of our husbands are right around that. It's how much six foot feet four inches tall? Shoot, no, probably that tall, six feet four inches. Mm-mm. Oh, he's well, one. Councils. I've never said my husband's name on this. My, <laughs> I'm gonna have to bleep that. My husband is six, uh, two. No, six three. So. That's. I mean, that's still. I mean, it's pretty that's, tall. It's a decent sized guy. It's tall for my five two. Yeah. Little a shit full, of a tall. A full a full foot and an inch taller than you. Yeah. But apparently, everyone said he was like a giant he's six foot four he's 230 pounds of solid muscle i mean that's it's a big dude yeah 
And at the time of his conviction, he was 33 years old. And from what I could gather, he was a bit of a con man and a swindler. Though there were no accounts of him being a violent criminal. Like, he had no, like, violent tendencies about him. He was married three times. Ooh, okay. three times he deserted his wife. Oh, all right. Well, that kind of goes along with the whole swindler thing. So going back to his childhood, uh, after he joined the Confederate, uh, he actually ended up deserting the Confederate army and moving. (laughs) 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 Well, if he's nothing, if not consistent. (laughs) It gets better. (laughs) This is where he began his lifelong con man jobs. He began to steal on a small scale. He did end up getting a job, but robbed the employer. (laughs) Who would hire him? I don't know. (laughs) After that, he returned to Kentucky, stole a horse, and headed for Tennessee. Wow. All right. Once in Tennessee, he rejoined the Confederate Army (laughs) and deserted it again. They were not good record <laughs> Honestly, at that point, they were probably like, you you want to join? Okay, sure, we'll take you. They didn't even check who the person was. Wait, he did get caught for desertion. Oops. But he lied his way out of punishment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, he was in a different area, so I'll give him that. But it's not like he could easily hide I mean, looking like that in the 1800s, like, I don't feel like he could really hide real easily. I guess they found him and they were like, bro, you like dipped out. And he was probably like, oh, I fell asleep over here or something. And then he just got up and walked away from (laughs) it. I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. He's like, oh, it wasn't the first time. What? Nothing. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Um, I was just taking a really long cap now. I wasn't deserting you. I was taking a walk. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. In 1878, Dan moved to Rutherford County, North Carolina. He was quickly known around the county for a series of petty crimes. Rutherford County still had gold that could be found back then. His biggest swindle took place. This is so funny. His biggest swindle took place in 1879 when he took a 68 pound rock and rubbed it with brass he sold this quote gold mine to many (laughs) men in western north carolina making him one of the most unpopular men in north carolina (laughs) many swore that they would get even with him I'm sorry, sir. You're stupid for buying into it in the first place. You couldn't tell the difference. No kidding. So back to the murder. It's believed that the murder of Alice Ellis was pinned on Dan simply because he had a bad reputation. (laughs) You don't say. say. (laughs) During the trial, there was evidence produced that an escaped convict from a neighboring county had been cited in the area by several people. This fugitive had been awaiting execution for the same crime Keith was accused of. The evidence was ruled inadmissible because of the ruling in North Carolina, State versus Baxter, that on that quote, on trial of an indictment, indictment? For crime, Evidence tending to the guilt of another in its commission does not disprove the criminality of the party charged, unquote. So Dan was convicted. However, he appealed his conviction in North in the uh, North Carolina Supreme Court, but it was sustained. He was to be hung on December 11, 1880. When he was returned to the county jail, Days before his execution, he was chained with a heavy chain to the bottom of a cage in which he was confined. 
His coffin was placed near the cage and near the place where he sat. So motherfucker had to sit in a cage chained up next to his coffin. Lovely. They really liked throwing in those psychological tortures right yeah. along with the rest. And it's so crazy to me because like there's no evidence proving that he did this. I don't think he ever yeah, I don't think he did it. I think there's evidence. No, that I mean else he did it. he was definitely a criminal, but his crimes were all like petty petty yeah, theft and, petty and theft, small larceny time and stuff, things yeah. like that. So Dan always claimed he was innocent. He was innocent right up to his death. On the day of his execution, he told Sheriff Walker, quote, the soul of an innocent man won't ever rest until he can prove himself innocent. Unquote. Uh Oh, yeah. He told the sheriff before a large crowd that had gathered to see him hang, quote, a man should be hung for what he's done, not for what he ain't done, unquote. He then advised Sheriff to, quote, keep a cool head and not become excited, unquote, when he went to hang. The Charlotte Observer reported that at 1 p.m., Daniel Keith was hanged and, quote, the world is rid of a monster, Unquote. On the same day of his hanging, people began to notice a shadow on the south wall of the jail that hadn't been there previously. It was the shadow of a giant man with a rope around his neck. They tried to scrub the shadow away, and they tried to paint over it multiple times with no luck. Eventually, they covered the wall with ivy, which hid the shadow from the view. From view. Apparently, if you peek through the ivy, you could still see the shadow. Over the years, the jail was sold to different people, and each time the new owners would attempt to remove the shadow. They would paint over it, they would try to scrub it away, and it just wouldn't go away. And eventually the ivy was put up. And eventually they sold it and let somebody else to deal with it. It was sold in 1949... And turned into an office building. During the remodeling process, the ivy on the south wall was cut down. The shadow was still there. Contractors, perplexed, just painted right over it several times with different coats of paint. And this time it worked. The shadow didn't return. It could be a coincidence. But around the same time that they were painting over the wall, a man in his 80s died in a local nursing home. A man who some in town remembered as a 16-year-old boy in 1988. One who had given testimony against Daniel Keith. Everyone else at the time involved in the case, on any level, had already passed away. And the 16-year-old boy was the last in line. (laughs) Oh, that's creepy. That's creepy as fuck. <laughs> so, mm. that's don't the, give false testimony, guys. Don't give false testimony. You're going to be haunted for the rest of your life. But that's the shadow of Daniel Keith. So, good job. That's creepy. It is creepy. The but idea I, of the shadow being there all the time, though. Well, and like you just can't escape it. It's just always going to be there. It will always be there, no matter what you do. And then all of a sudden it disappears when the last person who was involved in this case dies. Yeah, didn't you, um, have you ever heard of this story? It's it's kind of similar to that because he, there was somebody that was convicted and, and a lot of people felt like it was, he was wrongly convicted. And he basically said, they sentenced him to death and he basically said that everybody that was involved was going to die before he did. No. And they did. The judge, the prosecutor, I think even the defense attorneys might have been involved, been included in that. But like the bailiff, everybody, and they died of mysterious type things. It was more like they got sick with some random thing. This sounds died. like a Stephen King book. No, I mean, it's it's a real story. Like he, that was one of his things. I was like the last thing he said when they sentenced him. He was like, well, all of you are going to die before I do. 
after handing down my death sentence. So yeah, uh, creepy. That's, I mean, that's, that's a way to get back at your, at a false conviction. Yeah, your enemies. But I didn't want to leave you there. I wanted to give you one more story, Samantha. Why? Because I could not. (laughs) I wanted to tell you about the ghost of Chicken Alley. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) You're on a roll here. Let's keep going. It's a short one. It's a short one. (laughs) And it doesn't have to do a lot with chickens, unfortunately. (laughs) Okay. So Chicken Alley is a small, narrow alleyway in uh, downtown Asheville, in which I've actually walked down this alley multiple times. Are there chickens in the alley? There's no chickens anymore. Previous, we'll get into it. It was named because of the chickens that would congregate there in the city's earlier days. The most prominent chicken found today in Chicken Alley is the one in the large mural by local artist Molly Must that decorates the entrance. But another non-poultry presence is said to lurk in this alley. (laughs) (laughs) Non-poultry. But I mean, the mural is beautiful. It's, it's, I feel like I've sent you a picture of it, but maybe I haven't. There's so much art around there that I've, I've sent over our like anniversary trips. Anyways, So Dr. Jamie Smith was a physician who practiced in Asheville at the end of the 19th century. Dr. Smith was known for wearing a wide-brimmed black fedora hat and a long duster-style coat. He always carried a medicine bag and a cane with a uh, silver pummel on it. He, so apparently he was known for being like kind of eccentric because obviously his outfit, his attire for that time was not the regular. But also, like, when he walked the streets, he had a cane. He didn't need a cane. And he just tapped the cobblestones. And so they, like, heard him coming. <laughs> Interesting. So he was very eccentric. Dr. Smith was, in addition to being a physician's physician, something of a lover of a good time. Asheville was a rougher city in those days. Men who worked in the logging camps and nearby industries would flood the town on weekends looking for a drink and some company. There was enough money for visiting tourists even in those days to keep the bars and brothels open late. Booze flowed freely and was easily bought and sold and Dr. Smith loved every minute of it. Ah, yeah, he did. Dr. Smith is me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) There are those who say that the majority of his presence or or of his practice came from treating the various social diseases that were the constant companions of the city's good times. I'm assuming like hangovers, gonorrhea, syphilis, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I like how you put hangovers in there. What hangovers are, are in my thirties? Hangovers are a bitch. Right. Well, yeah, absolutely. So, so wait till you get to your uh, <clears throat> latter thirties. It's even uh, more fun. Well, great. I look forward to it. All of this came to an end in 1902 when Dr. Smith walked into a bar called Broadway's Tavern, which was located in Chicken Alley. In a case of remarkably bad timing, Smith happened to stumble into the middle of a vicious bar brawl. He tried to break it up, but was stabbed in the heart by one of the men in the fight. He died instantly. That's a lesson. Do not try to break up a fight, especially when there's knives involved. Did he not know? I I feel like he's a doctor. If I I see somebody swinging a blade of any kind... I'm, I'm not getting in between there. <laughs> Y'all are on your own. You have a knife. Figure I'm it done. out. You're cutting up a lime. I'm still out. I'm done. <laughs> Fair. You should do if that. If you're cutting up a lime. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Jamie Smith's murder was never caught. A Broadway's tavern burned to the ground the year after the fatal stabbing. Ever since that night, people have reported seeing a strange figure walking in the alley late at night. 
He's said to be a shadowy man wearing a long black coat and a wide-brimmed black hat. He carries an old-fashioned physician's bag and a cane with a silver head. People have reported hearing the tip of the cane tipping, tapping, as he walks along the pavement. That's what I was saying. Tap, tap, tap. The people who live in Chicken Alley believe that this is the ghost of Dr. Jamie Smith. He has been seen for over a hundred years, and throughout that time, the figure's appearance has had has been described with remarkable consistency. Dr. Smith's fashion sense was apparently distinctive enough to make him recognizable even beyond the grave. The locals are divided as to the reason the spirit returns to the spot where he has met his, where he met his end. Some say he is still trying to stop the fight. Some say he is still just wants a drink. <laughs> Aww. He is me. <laughs> I am him. So, yeah, I just wanted to give you like a kind of, um, the first one I did was not so funny, but I kind of wanted to give you kind of like a haha. There you go. <laughs> so. The, the, the cane tapping is creepy. Creepy as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's so. just somebody who likes to fuck with people even after he's dead. So you got three ghost stories out of us tonight, people. Well, um, four if you count the one from my house. Yeah, true. <laughs> you have four ghost stories out of us tonight. <laughs> and this is a bonus episode, and it's almost an hour long. So uh, Whoops. we're not going to go over our uh, entire like ending thing. You know, you know what you have to do. Like, rate, review, subscribe, do the whole thing. Uh, if we get a hundred reviews on Apple iTunes, I will do a Bigfoot episode. So there you go. Uh, okay. Now we've now we've got a goal. There, there's your goal, fans. <laughs> do a hundred reviews on Apple iTunes that are five stars, and I will do a Bigfoot episode because I have pages of Bigfoot <laughs> research. Is it going to be another three parter? <laughs> That oh might, my god that might discourage people. oh my god it's not gonna be a three-parter but it is gonna be a <laughs> long ass episode anyway if you love bigfoot and if you love me and if you love samantha leave a review with five stars Please. if we get a hundred we will do a bigfoot episode and samantha's gonna hate every minute of it <laughs> you're probably right <laughs> anyway until next time the reaper will come for us all.